unqualified. Sure. Yeah. Nice. Yes. <coughs> okay. Ready? Yes. Three, two, one. Oh, <laughs> Welcome to the Oatmeal Bar. I am... Nino Castellano, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Chris Dacane. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. I'm trying oatmeal for the first time. Well, this is the oatmeal bar, so perfect show for it. Mm-hmm. How do you like it so far? It's very warm and very oaty, mm. which I guess I should have expected. For some reason, I was thinking it was going to be cold and taste like grits, but that was very, very far from the truth. Very far from the truth. Grits and oatmeal, two different things. Both brands of porridge, I think. I've never had grits either. So I think grits come from corn, actually. Um, but no, yeah, that's great. What do you uh, got in your oatmeal today? Well, we have brown sugar cinnamon from Quaker Valley, and a little bit a little bit of a sweet surprise in there. We've got some dinosaur eggs. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. How do you like the dino eggs? They are... I actually really like them. <laughs> I just had one, and I was like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, they're Com- pretty good. Compliments of Chef Nino. It's like a little treasure trove in your oatmeal in the morning. Indeed. Um, I'm currently not eating oatmeal. I'm eating yogurt because... Not because I'm a heathen. Um, I hate this show. But because I'm feeling under the weather... And oatmeal in your stomach when you have a cold is like a bomb that's just waiting to explode. So, I'm eating yogurt today, not oatmeal, but it's okay because the show continues all the same. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I'm a college freshman. Uh... Recently felt uh, just the most significant conversion, like back to the faith, that I have in a while. That was at the beginning of my first semester, like a little bit before. Mm. And ever since then, I've just been more happy than like at any time in my life. And it's really been very nice, especially having uh, so many friends here on campus. It's been really great. That's awesome. Also, Chris has a fro. I do have a fro. <laughs> I wish we could describe it, like, or like have listeners be able to feel it through the sound, <laughs> to be able to like touch the waveforms mm-hmm. and somehow experience the majesty of the fro. Yes, the mystical experience of Chris's fro. But not seriously, Chris, that's awesome. This is great. Um. I wanted to ask you something today. I forget. Oh no. I had a question. Well, do you have any topics for the podcast? Actually, yes I do. I believe I brought up with you yesterday that I would like you to give me the lowdown on uh, the Militia Immaculata. 
No way. Down with Freemasonry. Yes. <laughs> so, um, well, I guess I can tell you my my journey in entering the militia maculata. So, well, brief history, what it is, Maximilian Colby started it to uh, pray for the conversion of the enemies of the church when he was a seminarian in Rome. And when it started, it was like, Ten people in a basement with a Mary statue and a bunch of rosaries and miraculous medals. <clears throat> and for the first ten years that they started this club, Colby and his other seminarian buddies, um, they just passed out miraculous medals and prayed for the conversion of the enemies of the church and also Freemasons in particular. Mm-hmm. And uh, but pretty much after ten years, most of the guys that were in it were kind of like, "This is stupid." We're not doing anything for the world. Blah, 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 blah. Colby, get you and your little beard and your funny glasses and go back to Poland. So he did after he became a priest. (laughs) And uh, he started um, a city called in, well, what he called the City of the Immaculate in Neapokalano, which is, which was like basically a, a friary, but it was... Um, just a bunch of friars I think at, at its peak there was about 600 friars there and they had a printing press and they would send out um, like magazines and pamphlets and like daily newsletters mm-hmm. to pull like all around Poland and it was to spread this idea that um, <clears throat> the world can be conquered uh, for Jesus Christ through Mary hello and our surprise guest is here! I have, I had a feeling this would happen. You are just in time. <clears throat> Pat is here, back on the show. Everybody remembers Pat because for the, on the first show he spiked my uh, tea. So With whiskey. With whiskey. Give us your best uh, podcast voice, Pat. Um, uh, this is just my voice. This is how I speak. Um, Chris, I'm a little surprised. You are currently eating out of a saucepan. Um, now, why would that be? Um, I don't know. I thought it would just fit the, um, like, kind of like a gritty, kind of like hipstery vibe. Yeah. Um, hey, guys, we're going to take a break for a second here. What the heck are you guys doing? <laughs> this is my show. I make this show. <laughs> you can't recording. do this without me. Pat, we're still recording. We, I told you about what? it. Yeah, no, I told no, you no. I was at work. I come back from work, and this is how you treat me. We thought you were. Watching You're nothing without me. You're dirt. We thought you were watching. You're the not Clone even dirt. Wars. We thought you were watching the Clone Wars. What happened is to that, the Clone Wars? Is that still on? Yes. No. no. Uh, well, guys, I uh, need to make my adieu. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the uh, special cast we have today. A very good pair. Um, well. We're the main host of the show, Pat. I'll, uh, I'll see you guys around. Uh, God bless. Peace and love. Peace and love. Thank you for stopping in. Shut up! <laughs> so anyway, um, the idea was that we can, that because Jesus came into the world through Mary, that the world and all the people in it are going to return to him through Mary. So it was really using Marian consecration as, as a means of evangelization, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So 
<clears throat> they would like, pass out miraculous medals, spread these pamphlets with all these like, prayer reflections. And uh, it really helped a lot of people in Poland during um, the Second World War when they were conquered <clears throat> by the Germans. And uh, so it like like faith and especially like the symbol of Mary, um, well, like the love of Mary, really helped protect the Polish people during this time, especially like Arlia Czestochowa, uh, if you know anything about that. Um, <clears throat> it's just like pretty much like uh, everyone in Poland has a devotion to her and it's this like big icon of Mary um, in a church in I forget what town oh no is it Chestahova <laughs> um, what's Obama's last name <laughs> uh, Clinton no um, so <clears throat> anyway, Colby um, started this movement. So Neapolkalana was what we would call an MI3, which is a, an actual, like, organized group of people fully consecrated and fully living out. Like, their whole lives are dedicated to the mission of, like, intentionally of evangelizing through Mary. Mm-hmm. Now, there are different, like, levels to the MI. What it what it is today, it's called um, an International Association of the Lay Faithful, canonically. So there are three like levels of it of organization of it. <clears throat> There's like the MI one, which is just like you enroll in it yourself, mm-hmm. which is what I did. MI two, which is when you get uh, other people who are in it and you come together for some kind of apostolic work, whether that's like feeding the poor, um, evangelizing, like doing different apostolic works, and like for prayer in common. And then MI3 is what Colby started, right? Um, so I started it because when I was... I, I heard about Colby and the militia and kind of like a lot about Freemasonry. And I looked in my diocese. I was like, well, Freemasonry, I didn't know this was like so bad. But I remember the summer before that, I had passed like a Masonic temple on my way to work one day. Mm-hmm. And um, so I researched it a little bit. And this was, like, my sophomore year of college. I researched it a little bit. And there was, like, 20 Masonic lodges within, like, a 10-mile radius of my cathedral in my diocese. And I was like, they're everywhere! And then <laughs> there, was a, there was a grand um, Scottish Rite Lodge that was, like, in Ross Township, which is, like, pretty close to the city. It's still in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. So I was like, whoa, this is everywhere. And pretty much what Freemasonry is they say it's not a religion but it pretty much is a religion it's a religion based on moral relativism mm-hmm. that um, appeals to um, pretty much like up and coming like men like middle aged men Yeah. so it's like this fraternal organization um, that <clears throat> you like you swear an oath when you enter to the lodge over your friends and family pretty much so it's, it's like, yeah, it's pretty bad. So the church actually, like, condemns it. Like, all the popes, I think the past, like, ten popes have repeatedly condemned it. And um, the last decree, I think it was in the 90s, and it said if you join any Masonic organization, or an organization like the Freemasons, um, which are other organizations, like, pretty much similar to them, um, 
like the elks and the know-nothings and all these people um basically you're not allowed to receive holy communion because mm-hmm. you take a you take a vow that's contrary to your baptismal promises mm-hmm. because you're putting the brotherhood above yeah everything else above everything else yeah so pretty bad and i think the worst thing it does for like like catholic culture is it takes away from catholic labor so um it's organized around basically like a quasi union so like if you join them like you're guaranteed a job Especially if you're a manual labor worker, like, they will get you a job and they'll take care of you. They'll, like, give you insurance, all this stuff. So, that's kind of why people do it, because it's, like, temp- it's like material security. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, what buddies to hang out with and drink with and all that stuff. But it takes away people from their faith and their family. And it prevents them from receiving the Eucharist, which is how we unite our work to like God's redemptive work right that's why I like the offertory at mass it's like symbolic of us offering our work of the week to the Lord who turns it into his body and blood so it like sanctifies and dignifies and and raises up the dignity of our work to the work of God so it stops that whole process which is like how we're supposed to renew society and all this stuff anyway so I was like man like I was like I was pissed I was like dang Pittsburgh is like, there's so much. So I like, me, I was like, I'm going to Austria next semester. I could do something, but I can't really because I'm not going to be here for like four months. So I wrote a little letter to my bishop Mm -hmm. and I was like, dear bishop, you're awesome. I just wanted to let you know there's Freemasonry everywhere. (laughs) You guys are literally surrounded. (laughs) Yeah, no. Uh, But honestly, I just like, I just thanked him for his work in the diocese so far. And then I said, um. I was going to be praying for him, and I just um, encouraged him to prompt somehow the establishment of an of a militia immaculata um, club or group to pray for the conversion of these men. Mm-hmm. And um, I sent the letter and flew to Austria and spent a semester over there. Then came back that summer, and I began to go pray outside of the Masonic Lodge in Ross Township, like the Grand Right Masonic Lodge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would, like, leave miraculous medals everywhere. I'd, like, walk around with, like, an icon of Our Lady of Chestova. Mm. Like, I'd put, like, little Divine Mercy cards on people's cars. <laughs> um, and it's funny because it's, like, right next to a Catholic cemetery, which actually the Catholic cemetery sold the land to the Masons to build a lodge there. So They were dependent on them in the first place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, too many Catholics are in bed with the Masons. Anyway. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's true. Um, uh, real quick, does... I'm not sure if this is information I should know, okay. but does your work uh, evangelizing outside of the Masonic temples, does that have something to do with the story I've heard about the saxophone? Or is that something different? The saxophone. Um, that is that is a distinct story, but similar. Okay. Oh, no, that is it. That's it? Yeah, so that's actually later on. Okay. But I did, I did, I did play Hail Holy Queen. I did walk around a Masonic lot seven times and on the seventh time I did play Hail Holy Queen on my saxophone <laughs> and this was symbolic of uh, the um, uh, who was it that paraded around a bat, was it? Joshua Joshua yeah, yeah. Um, around what town was it it was Jericho Jericho yeah I remember that from Veggie Tales yes it was symbolic of Joshua's conquering of Jericho <laughs> that's so funny that's so awesome. But, I mean, like, with all... I was in Manchester to do that, so I did it. But, 
Um, in all seriousness, what we're praying for really is a conversion of these men and their families, you know. And I've had a couple conversations with people about Freemasonry. Um, a lot of times, the guys that are in it aren't really aware of like all the like messed up stuff about it. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of like looking for some kind of like security. Um, but it is it is kind of like a hard a hard it's a trap it's a snare if you will so um i talked to some people about it who are in it and those conversations usually like didn't really get into the nitty-gritty stuff but it was kind of opening them up to a relationship with jesus because the way they view religion is like all religions are the same Mm -hmm. and they're all ways to get to what freemasonry offers Mm -hmm. like this enlightenment whatever so um Anyway, so I went to my bishop, started praying at this lodge over the summer, and then I realized, eventually, I was, like, looking up the Milch Immaculata, I was like, hey, like, this is, what well, cool, we started to pray, to do what I'm doing, so I'm pretty much doing the thing that the MI does, mm-hmm. I just, like, haven't joined yet, and so, you do, like, a nine-day consecration, and then you, you formally enroll through the national office, which enrolls you in Rome, and, um, you get this, like, awesome certificate in the mail, it's pretty wow. sick, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, but you get, and you also get an indulgence for entering. Mm. Um, and then this is just kind of like you entering into this work. The three conditions for entering are you do the consecration, you wear a miraculous medal and you pray the miraculous medal prayer every day Mm. for the conversion of, um, people. Oh, there's like a, there's a modified version that Colby wrote that basically adds in like to pray for all those who do not have recourse to you, especially the enemies of Holy Mother Church mm-hmm. and all those who recommend to you. So, it's pretty much like the bare minimum that you have to do is do the consecration, wear a miraculous medal, and pray that miraculous medal prayer every day. Which is pretty, like, pretty simple stuff. Um, so, that is kind of the story of the MI. Um, and kind of why it's still needed today, especially to pray for these men, because, um, and for men who who are kind of like lost in, in that kind of moral relativism, um, because they're looking for the danger is that they're looking for, some kind of spiritual truth, but they don't think religion offers them, that truth ultimately, so this kind of leads them susceptible to, um, like spiritualisms. And, um, even at times, like, like, different, like, um, satanic stuff. So, it can kind of open bad doors, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is why I just really pray for the spiritual protection. And I know that especially, um, I have some friends from down south, and, uh, there, there's a lot of Freemasonry, and, like, other kind of social clubs like that down south, as well as in the north, um, but they, uh, I don't know, the priests down there, um, I talked to some priests down there who kind of, like, talk about how, like, people who have, like, Freemasonry in their family history oftentimes, um, can kind of experience some, like, really difficult periods of, like, desolation in their lives, mm-hmm. and it's, like, tied to it. So, like, it kind of brings, I don't know what I said, curse, I don't know what, what it is, but, they do say that, like, there is there is a lot of um, kind of, like, spiritual battle tied into Freemasonry that they kind of really see down there. 
I'm sure it's the same thing up here. We just kind of, there's just like a bunch of other stuff too that's wrong. So, <laughs> since it's like non denominational, kind of, uh, does that mean that there are practicing Catholics who consider themselves Freemasons or who are in there? Yeah, so the Freemasons would tell, the Masonry would tell you that you can be any religion and still be a Freemason. Mm. And it's funny because, but the Catholic Church teaches that you cannot be Catholic and join the Freemasons. And that immediately if you do, you are essentially, you essentially excommunicate yourself. Okay. Um, just because, like, you can't, the church can't decree an excommunication of someone because mm-hmm. they don't know. They most likely don't know. Yeah. Right. So, um, but pretty much, if you're not allowed to receive Holy Communion, you're not in the body. And then, mm-hmm. so, um, but the Freemasonry would say, no, everyone's welcome. You know, anyone mm-hmm. who wants to join, join. But, so they are kind of like, um, they're not, they, they mimic, I would say mimic, but, there's different lodges and there's different like kinds of lodges mm. so there's like different degrees of freemasonry and the goal is to kind of work up the ladder of freemasonry and there's like different like rites and stuff like different like the scottish rite and the new york rite mm-hmm. and so there's like different like branches of it and within those branches there's different degrees so like the goal is to kind of work up the ladder of it and like you become like a grandmaster and like a 32nd degree and so there's all these different levels of it so it's kind of like Gnostic in that sense where like you move up the chain of whatever to get to to become better or something I don't know so yeah that's pretty much my shtick with it we gotta take down the <laughs> I know, yeah, people think it's so funny. Yeah, it is it in concept when you say it like that it does sound a little, <coughs> little bit like ridiculous, but it makes a lot of sense the way you like exposed it. Yeah, and pretty much <clears throat> with, with the MI, the goal isn't to just like it's to pray for the conversion of of our of people in, in Freemasonry especially, but also just for all the enemies of church or people who aren't in communion with the church. Um, and to do it through Mary. So pretty much the, the primary means of kind of do, combating, like, the spiritual warfare, if you want to call it that, is evangelization. Like, evangelization is the main way of, like, combating the kingdom of darkness. So it's, like, that's pretty much the focus of the MI. It's not, like, it's not all, like, oh, boo Masons, you know what I mean? It's to pray for them because they're, they're people that are especially in need of our prayers. Um, and evangelization through Mary. Um, but really the goal is to evangelize all people through, through the mother of God. So it's, uh, it's a bigger mission than just that, but that's how it kind of started. Cause that's how Colby, Colby saw a Freemason demonstration in Rome and was like, wow, we need to pray for these guys. And then it kind of turned into this bigger thing. So, um, <clears throat> The MI is like a lot bigger than that. It's not just that, but it's that's kind of it. And really, like um, the MI can take like different forms. Like I said, like an MI two is where you take on different apostolic works. So it's it can take on different forms. You can do different things with it, but really, it's this call to evangelize through Mary and to um, pray for the conversion of the people who are in most need of her prayers. Okay, so. Yeah. That's very interesting. How many people do you have, uh, I guess, signed up 
right now or who are involved with militia immaculate on campus on campus so i just did a consecration actually with four well three other guys um and they enrolled in the mi so that was really good i also have another friend who um we consecrated last semester so that's like five people maybe <laughs> but so it's like it's not that big i mean it never starts out that big mm-hmm. you know like cool we started out with 10 guys and like prayed and handed out miraculous medals for 10 years and then more than half of those guys left yeah <laughs> you know so it's like i'm not super worried about like making this big like huge big thing um as much as i i'm, I'm trying to get people who are like dedicated to the mission and willing to kind of live it out in whatever way they they feel called you know um and so we do kind of spread it through different things this semester i've been like really snoozing on it though because of mission but that's cool yeah uh what do you think are like the future plans for the militia on campus you said you were looking for somebody to take over and i'm not saying yes i'm saying i'm not hinting at oh that should be me (laughs) but like what do you think's gonna yeah so i think i think the best thing that we've done in the past which we did three last semester we're gonna try and do one this semester um, is a holy hour, so we'll do a campus-wide <clears throat> holy hour that is to pray for the conversion of um, various groups of people in the church. So, um, or just, or just like to pray for the conversion of the enemies of the church and also people who we feel called to pray for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we call it like Block Eleven Holy Hour in honor of Colby because that's that's a place he died in Austria, which was Block Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a time of prayer. We usually do like half, like half praise, half like we do like praise, meditation, and silence um, to try and and the goal is to kind of get us to a place where <clears throat> we're in prayer with the Lord and we can speak to Him and kind of pray with Him um, and and bring the people that He has placed on our hearts to His Eucharistic heart and ask Him um, for the graces for of their redemption, right? That they may be poured out upon them. Mm-hmm. And so that's, like, uh, I think the most fruitful thing, you know. Because um, anytime, like, I believe that, like, Eucharistic adoration can save, can help save souls. You know, like, 100%. Like, mm-hmm. the Lord can do anything. And I think there's a call, especially in our time, to um, go to him and to offer this, like, sort of reparation for the people that, that we feel called to pray for. So, and it, and it, uh, honestly, it can because you become like when you kind of when you do that when you enter into like the Lord's passion like that the mystery of His passion, um, you become like kind of like an open wound in His body, right? Mm-hmm. And his, the graces that He has for the redemption of others will kind of pour through you. Like you're, you're like first grace is mediated through Christ, who's the one mediator, um, but in a secondary way through Mary, in a tertiary tertiary way through us to our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. right um so that's like the that's kind of the goal is to have people enter into that that mystery of redemption in Christ and to kind of become open wounds in his in his body and um there's a lot of freedom in that because like we're coming together to pray once a month um and also like we'll hand out miraculous medals for people like yeah. to hand out to whoever afterwards and to have conversations about it um, so I think that's the most fruitful thing we've done. Um, 
also, I think it would be good to do um, spread like more consecrations. So it's a like, cool piece is like a nine day consecration, um, which is really good. It's very much like ordered towards um, learning about the MI, but also like um, really like meditating on areas like the Immaculate Conception. Uh, and so I think it would be good to spread that, consecr- that form of consecration as well, because it's like very like um, offensive, I guess. Like it's on the attack, yeah. right? That's like one of Colby's models. It's like on the offensive, mm-hmm. like let us be on the offensive. So it's this idea of like every day um, offering up your work and your life for the redemption of souls, right? Or for the salvation of souls. Not the ob- the subjective redemption of souls, not the objective objective redemption of souls, which was accomplished once and for all by Christ's redeeming work, mm-hmm. but <laughs> their exception of that grace and that um, salvation, their subjective reception of that salvation. So we're really praying for conversion and to kind of like break down the walls that are in people's hearts that are obstacles between them and the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're kind of like, well, what are you just praying? It's like no. Um, we are looking to go out into the world and to and to speak to people who we who we know need conversion um, and to evangelize. It's a little hard on campus though because it's like you can help evangelize one another. Yeah. But um, campus isn't the world, I guess. Even yeah. though the world's present on campus, like we are in the world, but like it's it's not like a city or like you know most of the people we should like should be going to talk to are out out and like downtown or in Pittsburgh or any, anywhere really but um, so hopefully that could be a thing too I know Operation Jericho would be awesome to do <laughs> yeah. yeah just oh, go yeah. pray the rooms around the base of college um, and then also uh, oh so I think it was Pope Pius XII said that behind every great missionary or evangelization effort is an army of contemplatives. Mm-hmm. So the prayer here, the holy hour, is kind of the lay of the groundwork for that um, for that mission in the world. And the goal is to not is to like equip people to kind of live this mission and to kind of take it and bring other people into it wherever they go after mm-hmm. they graduate. So that's kind of what I was hoping for it to be, not something like super demanding but something where we can begin to actually learn what it means to live out this mission in, in a group mm-hmm. and then take it to where wherever we go. Because, I mean, wherever we go, there are definitely people who are, are in most need of the gospel that need our, that need our prayers and our sacrifices. Mm-hmm. So. so essentially, like, using the time here in uh, the MI mm-hmm. as kind of like planting the seeds in people so that when they go out they're kind of branching off in their own directions yeah yeah kind of and it, I mean it'd be awesome if they could start like little MI like I, I know I I really want to start an MI group at my cathedral back home cause I think it'd be an awesome place to do um like night fever or some kind of ministry like that where you like bring people into a church to light a candle and you have like adoration going on mm-hmm. Um, but I think also, like, it could be a great place to, like, hand out miraculous medals to people, um, and to kind of invite them into that, and I think <clears throat> having a, so, our diocese actually changed its patron from St. Paul, just St. Paul, to Mary Immaculate, and then St. Paul. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, 
So it's kind of like, and that's like the militia of the Immaculata. That's like the title that is under. Um, so I think it would be really good to start something at the at our cathedral there, even if it's like a small group of like six people, you know. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, it's 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 um, a mission within the whole work of the church, but they serve a particular function, which is to pray for the people in most need of conversion, and to kind of offer prayer and sacrifices for them, as well as go out and try to evangelize all people through Mary. Mm-hmm. So that's very cool. Yeah, I like that. Pretty sweet. You'll have to get me. I don't know. Just like an information packet to condense. The yeah, I mean, for sure. So, um, where do you go to for more information? Yeah. Oh, that's very true. Where do you <laughs> it's go? True. Where can listeners go to for more information on the militia so this is actually really you gotta be really careful when you go online because there is <laughs> there's like a, there's fakes there's fakes oh, no. <laughs> yeah there is so if you go to missionimmaculata.com mission immaculata like m-i-s-s-i-o-n mm-hmm. immaculata.com um or type in militia of the immaculata usa national office you'll go to their national, our national website for the United States. And through them, you can enroll, you can do the consecration. Pretty much everything you need know is on that website. The website isn't the easiest to navigate, to be honest, but I'm sure you'll figure it. You'll figure it out. I mean, it took me about 30 minutes, but after that, it's not super hard. And they have, like, different resources and materials. There's also a book... Um, I think it's it's consecration through Maximilian Colby is what it's called, and or Colby consecration maybe something like that. Um, it's like a little book published by Marytown. If you look up Marytown Press, okay, that is actually like an MI three where they publish different materials and um, promote the mission of okay. the of the militia. And so it's kind of it's it's really difficult though in a way because it's like this idea right that um, needs to kind of be, like, take shape and be incarnate in life. And that's, like, working all that out is a lot of fun, but it's also, like, kind of difficult because it takes a lot of time and energy and effort and, like, pretty much trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, how you, like, wanna, how you live out this, like, consecration, this call. And some of the, like, a lot of the materials, like, is really, like, lofty and kind of ideal, idealistic in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. You're, like... Could you just tell me what to do? Yeah. But that's kind of part of it. It's like, no, like, you should, you got to pray and discern and, and kind of take steps and try things for how to, how to accomplish this work mm-hmm. and see how you do and see how you fail and see, <laughs> see what you can do better next time, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, and that's, that's evangelization in a nutshell, you know, like, in ta- even having conversations and, and trying to open people up to the gospel and teaching, like, you try something, and ultimately the spirit will work. Will work, and so kind of see where the spirit's working, and then, and then run with it. So, yeah. It's a little bit cold now, but the oatmeal. Yeah. Yeah. No, cold cold oatmeal is not that great. But do you? I you don't mind it that much. Nice. Yeah. It's but I I really like it with chocolate chips in it. To be honest. Ooh, that would be awesome. Dude, yeah. It's really good. Chocolate chips, some strawberries. Oh, 
There's also something called, well, we'll save it for another episode, actually. Yes. I'll, I'll tell you a special kind of oatmeal next time on the oatmeal bar. On the oatmeal bar, yes. All right, how are we doing on time? 36 minutes. All right. You want to call it here, or? Yeah, we can call it here. All right. Well, would you like to close this off? Sure. All right. Uh, so. How do I close this off? Uh... <laughs> Just say thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Oatmeal Bar.